Hey, this is Andrew DiMazio, lead pastor of Rose Church here in Portland, Oregon. Welcome to our podcast. Our mission here at Rose is building big people, becoming like Jesus in community while growing in our faith. Whoever you are, wherever you are, I pray today's message challenges you and encourages you on your walk with Jesus. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy today's podcast. We're going to join uh, into the Word this morning. We are starting a brand new series uh, for the rest of January. We're going to be talking about prayer, pursuing God, praying, uh, walking with Him, what that would look like. And maybe if you're newer to Jesus and you're just like, man, this is all new to me. Church is new to me. Worship's new to me. Prayer, I don't know uh, the right way, the wrong way. This series is going to greatly help you grow in your life of prayer. And so go through to the book of Matthew uh, this morning if you have a Bible. If you don't, no worries whatsoever. It'll, it'll be right there for you to read along with us. If you don't own a Bible, there's one right in front of you. You can grab that one. That's yours if you don't own a Bible. Um, I know many of you use your phone, you version, whatever. But uh, let's read this morning out of Matthew 11. Matthew 11. Uh, we're going to read together from the NLT version. Then I would like to read the message version just to give a different, different perspective on this amazing, amazing passage. But I'm super excited. You guys good? Well, it is pouring outside. Let's go to the Word um, and get some encouragement. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. It says, then Jesus said, he's talking to a group of people, all the disciples, this big crowd is around Jesus. And he says, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Super interesting. I will give you rest and take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give is light. I'm reading for the message because I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases this Matthew 11 in the message. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. I love these three phrases. Walk with me. Work with me. And watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitted on you. I love this. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Man, if you could have two words, stamp your 2023, I think all of us in this room say, I want to live lightly and freely. If I could take those two words upon this next year, I will live lightly. And I love to live freely. And that's why I pray for you as we start this series. And my title for our talk, and I'll explain it in a moment, in a moment here, is Among the Pots and Pans. Among the Pots and Pans. Among the Pots and Pans. Let's pray as we jump into Matthew 11. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for every single person under the sign of my voice, God. I pray you speak to us. Would you reveal yourself to us, God? We're not here to play church and just do a religious activity, God. We are here to spend moments that could change the rest of our life. Open our mind, open our heart, open our ears. Speak to us today. God, those that maybe this is their first time ever in a space and place like this, to those who have been in church since they were two years old, God, speak to every single one of us, God. We love you. We pray your word will illuminate, open up, speak to us this morning through Matthew 11. And Father, as we pray every Sunday, let the Blazers win the NBA championship in your mighty name. You everyone said? Amen. Amen. Cheers. Um, there is 
uh, a few books, a few articles in Christendom over the last couple hundred years, maybe 1,500 years, uh, from St. Augustine to St. Thomas Aquinas to C.S. Lewis. There's some articles over the last probably 1,000 years or so that if you go to seminary, if you get deeper in theology or word, you'll read one of these authors, you'll read one of these books. One of them is a 16th century monk named Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence was born to an incredibly poor family. They lived on the streets the majority of his childhood. He didn't want to die uh, from hunger or living outside, so he decided at the age of 17 to join the army. He's from France. He was born in a town in France, and he joined the French army to get meals and get clothing and shelter. He said, I don't want to die, so I'll join the army. On one of his um, tours, being in the army, he met God, gave his life to God, changed him forever. He did his time in the army. At the end of his time, he got discharged, and he decided, I want to serve God. Now that I've met God, I want to serve God. And he said, how is the number one way I can serve God? And he figured, I'll become a monk. That's holy. That's special. I'll become a monk. He becomes a monk in one of the monasteries in France. And another monastery in another town, he became friends with another monk there, and they wrote letters back and forth to each other about the topic of prayer. That book has now been compiled and made into a book called Practicing the Presence. Practicing the Presence by Brother Lawrence. And if you were in seminary, Bible school, or getting deeper in that world of faith, you've read probably this book. How many of you have read Brother Lawrence, Practicing the Presence? Okay, four of you. Um, if you want to, it's a short book. It's like, a, it's, it's just letters. It's not even a book. You're just reading this dude's journal with a friend. But their whole topic is about prayer. Brother Lawrence got famous because he was the first monk in his monastery that told the head monk of the monastery, I will no longer go to the hours of prayer. And if you know anything about monks or monastery living, you don't do that. Because every monk had hours where they're designated, you must go to hours of prayer upstairs for silence and solitude for hours of prayer. He told the head monk, I will no longer attend hours of prayer. The head monk comes down to him because he was the, uh, the chef. He ran the kitchen, cleaned the pots and pans, served all the meals for the men in the monastery. That was his job. One day he's cleaning the dishes. The head, uh, the head monk comes downstairs and says, I heard that you are no longer attending the hours of prayer. And Brother Lawrence says, I don't need to. And now the head monk's getting just flustered. What do you mean you don't need to? He goes, I've decided. This is one of his famous quotes of Brother Lawrence. I've decided I have found the Lord among the pots and pans. And he makes this quote. I'm gonna read it to you. His book with his friend, because his friend heard, I heard you were no longer going to hours of prayer. Why? He says this. Lord of all pots and pans and things. I've no time to be a great saint by doing the lovely things or watching late with thee, dreaming in the daylight or storming heaven's gates. Make me a saint by getting meals and washing the plates. Warm the kitchen with thy love and light it with thy peace. Forgive me of all of my worrying and make my grumbling cease. Thou who loves to give men food in room or by sea, accept the service that I do for I do it unto thee. And it's this famous exchange. He says, I don't need to go to hours of prayer for I have decided there is no difference of normal hours and hours of prayer. For I have met the Lord among the pots and pans. 
I would like to submit to you, God wants to meet every single one of you among the pots and the pans. Let me rephrase it for you. God wants to meet you amongst the laundry. No, I have so much to do when I get home. God wants to meet you amongst the errands. God wants to meet you amongst the driving the kids and school and bills and work and in between meetings and lunch breaks. I would submit to you, God, the same thing God said to Brother Lawrence, the same thing he said to every one of us in this room, I want to meet you in the pots and pans. But for many of us, we hear the word prayer and we think of holy, some breathy voice, kneel down in reverence. And I have to, when I get up and go on my knees and fold my hands and if I pray, in a spiritual voice, then God will hear me. I would submit to you, I want you to write this down. I want you to think about prayer as communion, not function. Communion, not function. My mom is here, so I have to watch what I say right now. But I was raised in church. My mom and dad were senior pastors for 40 years. I was the kid sleeping in the back during every service. I'd wake up, they're still singing, I love you, Lord. I'd go back to sleep. And I could fake the good prayer. I remember going through the prayer tunnels as a kid, just. And I bet you all the elders were like, that's a spiritual kid. I wasn't praying. I was having no holy thought, but I knew the function. I knew how to look holy or look like I was worshiping because I was doing it all the time. And I figured out as I get older, next week is my birthday, 25th birthday. It's a big year for me. God's not interested in the function of prayer. He's interested in the communion of prayer. Because I've learned you can accomplish the function and miss the communion. But it is impossible to fit in the communion and miss the function. And Brother Lawrence is saying, no, I'm good down here in the kitchen. You don't want to go up to the hours of prayer? No, I'm going to wash these pans. And I'm going to think about God. And I'm going to commune with him. And that's my hours of prayer. I want to ask you, every one of you in the room, what's your pots and pans? Work from home. Max working in and out. Uber. Business school. Nursing. Architect. Because this is what's really interesting. When I'm out in the, when I, when I see like you guys out in the world, like in the real world. It's always the best when I see like somebody goes to our church at a bar and I have an alcoholic beverage and they'll go by and they're like, Pastor, is that you? <laughs> it's like seeing your mom at the mall or something, right? Like when you're in high school. Like when I see like people at the church like in the wild and they have like friends with them and they're like, how do you, how do you know that guy? And they're like, oh, I, I go to church. And they're like, oh, like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm the pastor of the church. And they always say, you don't look like a pastor. I'm like, how do you want me to look? And, and this was funny. And then the best is like when we start talking before they find out I'm a pastor, they swear a ton because that's super awful um, to use those, those words. So, so they swear a ton and then they find out I'm a pastor. They go, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't know. Why? Because this was interesting. They think me being a pastor is holy, but them being a nurse is secular. So we were raised in this paradigm. If you were raised in church, you were raised with, with this absolutely heretical, unbiblical notion that there are holy jobs and secular jobs. That me as a pastor of the word of God and I am the man of the cloth or whatever you want to call it, I work a holy job. But you're a nurse, 
you work in this secular marketplace. Name me one verse that God says there are holy jobs and secular jobs. There are not. There are jobs that you can make secular because you do it unto yourself. But if you work, obviously like seven of you on staff in this room, so the other 400 of you in this room don't work for a church. And I want to challenge you, tomorrow morning when you go to work, I want you to understand your work is holy. Your work is sacred. Your work is special. I don't care if you're a nurse, a doctor, a psychiatrist, a counselor, a teacher, a Uber driver, it does not matter. When you wake up in the morning, invite God into your pots and pans and watch him fill your day. And he writes to the other monk, this is the best. He goes, I pray all day. And the other monk writes back and goes, how do you do that? And he says this simple phrase, I just make sure my heart is aware of his presence all day. Now, if that's what we're saying prayer is, I'm in. I don't know about the function, and we'll get into that next week in supplication, application, intercession. I'm in for all the functions. But can we revert back to what prayer was meant to be? Communion with your father. I have three children. Could you imagine going to my oldest son, Cruz, who's nine? Hey, I want to sit you down for a few hours and talk to you about the best way to talk to your father. It's in my DNA to know how to commune with my father. I think too many churches are making prayer so weird, so confusing, so complicated. I want you to hear me today. I've never been in church in my life. It is in your DNA to hear and talk to your father. And it's merely all day long making your heart's posture aim toward his presence. I'm thinking about him. I'm talking to him. What am I doing? I'm meeting God amongst the pots and the pans. I love Matthew 11 because Jesus starts talking in this parable and he says, all of you who are weary, come to me. Which I just want to start here. How do we come to him? Prayer. Not just on our hands and knees in a holy moment in our bedroom but in the car, in the yard, at work. Jesus, I'm coming to you. Why? But I love, I love what he says in the beginning. If you're weary, come. Notice how he doesn't say, I'll chase you. The coming starts with us. The pursuing starts with us. The choosing starts with us. Because I've learned this about God. He is not concerned if you're weary. He is concerned where you choose to get rest. I love Jesus. He does not say, are you weary? Suck it up. Fix it. Be stronger. Try harder. Do better. Grind. Pick your head up. Do it again. He goes, are you weary? Come to me. Which I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down. I want you to hear this. Jesus does not condemn the weary. He invites them. He doesn't condemn them. Even for being spiritually weary, he invites them. How do we rest? There's three things that Jesus says real simply in the message. I just want to steal it straight from there. How do we find rest? And by the way, in the message, he says, um, for I will give you rest for your souls. And then he says this, comma, for I will give you a real rest. Why does he need to delineate between real rest? The only reason for that is if there was fake rest. He says, I'll give you real rest for your souls. Okay, Jesus, I'm in. How do I get rest for my souls? Three simple things. Number one, he says, walk with me. Walk with me. Sounds 
so simple. You're like, that, that's what you want me to do? You want me to walk with you? Yes, I want you to walk with me. Aaron, can you come here for a second? I'm going to use you as an illustration. Come here, sir. Can we give it up for Aaron as he joins? Uh, stay there. Okay, this is what happens. You seem bigger. Um, you've been working out? Yeah? Good. Um, good for you. This is what Jesus is alluding to. Jesus is talking to farmers. It's an agricultural farming community. And the term he uses, walk with me, or in the NLT, he says, take my yoke upon you. He's borrowing it from a farmer. If you go to the farmer's store and look down aisle C, there would be a yoke. All yokes were made, all of them, with two holes. For two oxen to have the yoke put on them, and they would till the ground. It was a farmer's trick in antiquity to put an older ox with a younger ox. They would never put two young ox together and never put two old ox together. So they would take a younger ox <laughs> and the mature ox. You're welcome. And they would link them together. And as the farmer or as the, the man leading the ox, they would go because as they would move for the ox, the younger ox would try to go way too fast because the younger ox had so much energy and the younger ox would go. The older ox's job was to make sure as they walked with the ox, the, the, the till stayed at the right pace. Do you know what Jesus is saying? You want rest? Yoke up with me. I'll be the older, mature ox who's done this before. Link up with me, and I'll make sure that you walk with me. Notice two things. He doesn't say run with me. He doesn't say stand with me. You don't stand with Jesus. You walk with him. And you don't run with him. You walk with him. Have you ever considered one of the main reasons you're so anxious is because of your pace? You're just walking way too fast. Or you're not walking at all. And so Jesus says, just walk with me. So number one, it's about pace. Number two, come on back. It's about proximity. Do you know how close these two oxen are? They're not way separated. The yokes were very much together. They would have to rub shoulders for proximity. Because this is what we do. This is what we do all the time, myself included. We come to church like we do right now, and we're walking with Jesus for a good 55 minutes. We feel peace, we feel strength, we're good. And then it's Monday morning, we go, Jesus, stay here, and we walk by ourselves. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we get anxious all week, we get weary all week, we get nervous all week, we get weary all week, we come back Sunday morning, we go, Jesus, your turn again, come walk with me. We do 50 minutes on a Sunday, and then we try again. And we don't walk with Jesus. We spend moments with Jesus. And we're confused on why Monday through Saturday is not going well. Because Jesus doesn't want you to come and go. He wants you to stay and just walk with him. Thank you, sir. Write this phrase down as Aaron walks down. Abiding rest comes from abiding nearness. Abiding rest comes from abiding 
nearness. But we're sitting here on Saturday looking back at Jesus going, I'm so tired. He's like, because you left me. I'm so anxious. Because you left me. So heavy laden. Because you left me. How do I find rest for my soul? I walk with him. All day. Once again, where? Amongst the pots and the pans. Because maybe for you this morning, when you leave this building and walk seven blocks to find your car, how subconsciously do you believe that you left God here while you go about in the world? No, we don't say that, but we act that way. Why did they get back to church? Because that's where God is. Oh no, he's amongst the pots and pans waiting for you to acknowledge him. How do I find rest for my soul? I walk with him. Number two, he says, walk with me. Then he says, work with me. Now, this is what got me. This is very interesting. And a bit of a dichotomy statement for me as an individual as I'm reading this sentence as a, as a human. Notice where he starts. Are you weary? Come to me. Makes sense. Walk with me. Makes sense. Then he says, work with me. Or in the NLT, he says, are you weary, heavy laden? Come to me and I will give you a yoke that is easy to bear. Wait a minute. You don't give weary people yokes, you give them mattresses. You give them naps. You take yokes off, weary people. Nope. Jesus is saying if you are weary, it's because you're wearing the wrong yoke. And if you come to me, you can walk with me. And then he says, you can work with me. Now, I want to offend every single one of you just a little bit this morning. Not much, come back next week, just a little bit. The American way to find rest is through freedom. What we think is, if we are weary, we're heavy laden, we have a yoke, the answer is throw all yokes off and I will find rest when I'm free. I will find rest how I want to do it. I will find rest in the freedom of my soul. Jesus says, no, you don't find rest in freedom. You find rest in surrender. You just get to choose who you surrender to. Since when do yokes bring rest? It's when you're yoked up with the man who knows your soul, unlike any other person. How do you find rest through a yoke? It's when you're yoked up with the savior of the world. And he's saying, walk with me. Work with me. Well, so Pastor, what are you saying? What I'm saying is tomorrow morning when you go back to that job that you hate, invite God. When you go back to the yard, when you go back to the kids, go back to the driving, go back to the spreadsheets, you go back to working from home. What I'm saying to you is God is saying, work with me. Wait. Rest doesn't come from escaping. It comes from yoking. Do you notice how Jesus doesn't say, are you weary? I'll get you out. He says, I'll come in. That's what we want to hear. Are you weary? I'll fly down. I'll grab your helicopter. I'll get you out. We pray for escape. Jesus does not say, are you weary? I'll get you out. He says, I'll yoke up with you. And I'll work with you. I'll process with you. Invite God, I know I'm saying it, but I want you to hear it. Invite God into the pots and the pans. The laundry, the errands, the argument, the work, the meal prep, the 
the dropping the kids off, the spreadsheets, the work, the tests, the job, the preparation, the project, the phone calls. What if you just never left his side all day? Well, how do I do that? You aim the position of your heart toward his presence all day. Can't be that simple. It is, but we've made church so complicated. We've made prayer so complicated and he just wants you to choose him, to yoke up to him, that we just walk with him. Work with him. And then he says this, number three, he says, walk with me, work with me. Super answering. Watch how I do it. Or NLT says, I'll teach you. Watch me. I'll teach you. I'm humble, lowly at heart. Watch me. Have you ever considered that maybe a core crux of your anxiety is not your life, it's your vision? What does he say? Watch me. I'll teach you. Every TikTok channel, every YouTube channel, every newspaper, every politician, every teacher, every lawyer, every, every person in this world is trying to yell at your soul saying, I'll teach you. I'll show you. This is how you do it. And Jesus is like, no, if you keep watching them, you'll keep having an unrestful soul. But if you watch me, I'll show you how to do it. Watch me. I'll show you how to treat your spouse. I'll watch you how to raise kids. I'll watch you how to treat money. I'll, I'll show you how to have friends. I'll watch me. I'll teach you. And you yoke up with Jesus and you're just walking with him. You're working with him. You're watching him. You're watching how he does it. Who have you chosen to watch? Well, that's how life is done and marriage is done and kids is done and sexuality is done and money is done and business is done. Who are you watching? Because everyone even were watching someone. And Jesus says, you want rest for your souls? Watch me. I'll show you. I end with this quote by St. Augustine, my favorite author, named my son after him, another 17th century writer from Africa. His name is St. Augustine. He says this about his soul. I carried about me a cut and bleeding soul that could not bear to be carried by me. And where could I put it? I could not discover. Not in pleasant groves, not in games or singing, nor in fragrant corners of a garden, not at a dinner table, nor in the delights of bed. My soul floundered in a void and it fell back on me. For where could my heart flee? Where could I escape? For my heart is restless until it finds rest in you. Do you hear him? I have a bleeding soul and I don't know where to take it. I tried bed, that didn't work. I tried the gardens and nature and out, that didn't work. I tried dinner tables with friends, that didn't work. I tried games and singing, that didn't work. Then the way he says is, I didn't know where to put my soul, so it fell back on me. Where could I escape, where could I go? And he says, I, 
I've realized that my heart will be restless until it finds rest in you. What's the core function of prayer? Communion. Walking with him. Working with him. Watching how he does it. And as you start trying to speed up, he's like, dude, slow down. Slow down. We don't go that fast. I don't mind it. I have three kids. I don't, I don't want to hear it. Don't worry about it. You yoke up with him. I'm weary. I'm exhausted. Come to me. Yoke up with me. And I'll give you a real rest. For your soul. Not for your mind, really. Not even your spirit. Your, your soul. There are people in this room that would pay a lot of money if you could walk out this door and buy rest. And I don't mean sleep. Some of you moms are like, please, God. I don't, I don't mean even sleep. I don't mean rest like that. I mean stillness. I don't mean a nap. A nap could fix that. No, 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 I mean Rest for my soul. I'll give you a real rest. Why? Because there's a lot of fake rest out there. Yoke up with me. Just walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. How do we do that? I end where I started. Among the pots and the pans. Oh yeah, I'm in for the quiet hour. I'm in for church, of course. I'm in for the functions of it all. But oh man, we can only be here. Even if you come every Sunday, I get you for four hours a month. You think one hour a week is gonna change the other 152 or 60, whatever the amount of hours in a week are? One hour, no. He wants all the other hours as well. If you wanna come to church once a month, you think this one hour for the next 30 days? Oh no, friend, invite him into the pots and pans and you will find God there and realize he's just been waiting for you all along to posture your heart toward him. If our ministry has been a blessing to you at all, whether through the podcast, online, or through socials, would you consider partnering with us financially to help us continue blessing people and reaching people with the gospel of Jesus? If you'd like to do so, you can go online to rosechurch.org give. Thank you so much for partnering with us and helping us continue to do what God has put in our hearts here in Portland.